across Texas and Oklahoma perilous, leading to several crashes. Millions are without power, forcing the temporary shutdown of COVID vaccination sites in Houston as temperatures drop into the single digits in some places. We are also following closely the steady drop in COVID infections in this country as some states move quickly to ease restrictions. Plus our series America Under Pressure and the new study giving us deep new insight into how this pandemic is affecting our children. But let's begin tonight in the storm zone. Kathy Park has late details. Tonight, a dangerous mix of snow, ice, and bone-chilling temperatures plowing through dozens of states. More than 130 million under winter alert, stretching from Texas to Maine. Cross-country chaos leaving behind slick roads. Some crashes even ending in flames as travel turns treacherous in Oklahoma and Mississippi. The house is quickly losing the heat. The Lone Star State slammed with an unprecedented winter storm at times near blizzard conditions. In Houston, one county rushed to distribute nearly 8,500 shots before they spoiled after the storage facility lost power. If you are without power uh, right now, it is very conceivable that you could be without power uh, throughout the rest of today and possibly even going into tomorrow. The brutal blast of cold air cutting power to more than a million in Houston. In Kenner, Louisiana, a transformer blew out, sending electricity surging through the lines. This holiday weekend, ice and snow grounded hundreds of flights in Dallas-Fort Worth. In Chicago, snow falling up to two inches per hour. This is an all-hands-on-deck moment. And the extreme weather didn't end there. Seattle, the snowiest it's ever been in more than 50 years. Tornadoes are now in the forecast, too. This one ripping through southeast Georgia just hours ago as the northeast braces for freezing rain and ice overnight. The Department of Sanitation has been running two 12-hour shifts. We've been working around the clock. And we're not done yet. After the wintry mess moves through overnight, there is another storm right behind it. Crews in New are gearing up again with up to 200,000 tons of salt ready to go for the next round. Lester? All right, Kathy, thanks. And we're in for much more this week. Snow, ice, record-breaking cold. Al Roker is tracking it all. Uh, what's ahead? The country's being affected by two storms, Lester. One in the east right now that's causing a mess through tomorrow. And then the one in the Pacific Northwest that'll follow this current storm. Heavy thunderstorms, even tornadoes tonight for the southeast. Ice from Louisiana all the way to New England. And we are looking for snow upwards of one inch per hour in some parts of the northeast and on into the Great Lakes. And then this second storm could bring even more snow as we head on into Friday. Plus, bitterly cold wind chills for 54 million people from the plains to the Gulf that last right on into the weekend. Lester. All right, Al, thanks. With the impeachment of former President Trump now over, Nancy Pelosi is calling for a new sweeping investigation of the Capitol attack. Jeff Bennett is following this for us. Jeff, what's the speaker's plan? Lester, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced today that Congress will establish an outside independent commission to look into what she called the facts and causes of the deadly insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. She says the commission will be modeled on a similar one created after the September 11th terrorist attacks. Pelosi saying, we must get to the truth of how this happened. Now, lawmakers of both parties have called for a bipartisan 9-11-style commission to investigate why government officials and law enforcement failed to stop the attack on the Capitol. The House Speaker is also proposing...
proposing additional funding to provide for the safety of lawmakers and the security of the Capitol. Lester? All right, Jeff, thank you. And the seven GOP senators who voted to convict Donald Trump are facing backlash back home as he vows to continue to lead his movement. Andrea Mitchell has more. <sighs> Hundreds of Trump supporters cheering him on his way back from golf today as the former president continues to dominate the Republican Party. A new poll today saying 75% of Republicans want the twice-impeached former president to play a prominent role in the GOP. We intend to work for every single vote. His daughter-in-law, Laura Trump, a North Carolina native, now strongly considering a run for the open Senate seat there two years from now. As the state party plans to censure retiring Senator Richard Burr tonight for voting to convict Trump. In Louisiana, Republicans immediately censured their senator, Bill Cassidy, for voting to convict. I'm attempting to hold President Trump accountable, and that is the trust I have from the people that elected me. And I am very confident that as time passes, people will move to that position. But Trump's grip on the party and its fundraising, illustrated by the two sides of House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy, reportedly furious with the president during the riot denouncing him for it a week later. The president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. But then flying to Mar-a-Lago to make peace with him. This impeachment is over, but this fight is going to continue, and there are going to be a little proxy battles all across the country in 2022, where Trump Republicans are probably going to be challenging a lot of incumbents. Trump loyalists say he will be unlike any other recent former Republican president. Does he dominate the Republican Party for years to come? He's going to stay in the game. He's going to stay in the arena. He's going to keep talking even when they try to silence him and cancel them. We've never had a Republican president who stayed in the game after they left the White House. So, once again, he's going to do it his way. So, Andrea, what would be the impact of Trump further dividing the party after losing the White House? Well, Lester, divided parties don't win elections. Both former recent one-term presidents ended up losing the White House to the opposition party after Carter for 12 years, after Bush for eight. Lester? Andrea, thanks. More encouraging signs of the COVID battle. Over 38 million Americans have received at least one vaccine dose, and hospitalizations continue to drop to just over 67,000. But as Miguel Almaguer reports, there is new cause for concern. After hospitals reached a breaking point in December and death tolls hit record highs in January, our nation is now marking the most significant progress of the pandemic. For the first time in months, the U.S. recording fewer than 100,000 daily infections as daily deaths also plummet well below the record high. But one critical number is trending in the wrong direction. Variants of the virus have been confirmed in over 1,000 cases spread across 41 states. We can't let our guard down. We, we have to continue wearing masks. But even as the CDC director says now is the time to double down on safety measures, states are easing restrictions. Montana just joined Iowa in eliminating a statewide mask mandate. I'm happy to hear the, the mandate has been loosened up a little bit. Indoor dining is back in many regions, too. And next week, the Barclays Center in Brooklyn welcomes back NBA fans. Though Americans have been asked to stay home, tonight the TSA is reporting a spike in passengers over the holiday weekend, many eager to return to a sense of normalcy. We need them to go home. But for Jacqueline Lopez, who lost her father Carlos, there is no going back. Go home, your loved ones. Did you never know this virus is so 
for the man, Lester. All right, Gabe, thanks very much. NBC News, in partnership with Challenge Success, a nonprofit affiliated with Stanford's Graduate School of Education, has conducted one of the most extensive national surveys on how the pandemic is impacting high school students. Here's Raheem Ellis. All across the country, students are facing unprecedented challenges. We're all really struggling. Basically, it sucks. Um, definitely less interesting. We've been following 16 students since the first day of school, and they echo what was found in our massive national survey. I've never felt so much stress in one school year. The study surveyed 75,000 students from 2018 to 2020, and in the fall of 2020 alone, found that over 56% of students said their stress related to school increased compared to the time before coronavirus. I definitely feel very stressed. I'm probably going to have like four to five hours of sleep. Why am I having so many mental breakdowns? In October, we saw that in our student in Chicago. Allegra went from frustration with online glitches. The whole thing would just like kick me out. To a near meltdown. And looking back now, what was your lowest moment of the school year so far? Well, it would be that time I cried over my uh, physics project. At that point, I was like, this online is not going to work. The study also found 41% said their effort toward learning decreased. My attention definitely decreased. I'm still surprised at uh, how, how much online is affecting me. That was John in Pennsylvania last December. Now he says he's constantly distracted. Snow blowers, dogs barking, parents going in and out. And it really messed with me. Another finding, 50% of students said the strength of their relationships with teachers has decreased. I've kind of sent a follow-up email to one of my teachers, kind of just like telling him about everything that's been going on. And it took him almost like four days to respond. Do I believe kids will be okay and will they make it? Absolutely. Will they be able to do that alone? No. Learning how to manage. I'm just trying to think positively. I I'm trying my best. In a year filled with the unexpected. Rahima Ellis, NBC News. And tomorrow, Savannah Guthrie will have more on the mental health impact on our children during the pandemic. That's tomorrow night and tomorrow on today. For kids and adults alike, the pandemic has been a difficult time. But for some, the last several months have been especially brutal. Here's Kristen Dawkins. For Hannah Zeller, this time of year is never easy. I tend to get a sense of dread just with the colder days. The 29-year-old suffers from Seasonal Affective Disorder, or SAD, a type of depression related to the change in seasons and lack of daylight. With the pandemic on top of it, it seems like there aren't going to be maybe the solutions that I would have turned to in other years. Dr. Scott B. calls it a perfect storm. So if someone is already feeling down because of being away from friends and family and, and all the anxiety that goes along with COVID, how much worse could things get? It could cascade into what we would call a major depressive episode. A recent survey showed depression symptoms were three times more prevalent during the pandemic. Michelle Shearman worries about a winter without in-person support. I miss human contact. I have a daughter that I'm incredibly close to. She's my best friend in the world, and I've seen her once since this started. Doctors say there are things patients can do. Telehealth is easier than ever, so if you're feeling down, get help. A light box at home can help. And try to get outside and get exercise. Also keep a schedule and hygiene routine. And make sure to connect with others, even if it's virtually.
So Michelle, the feeling that we are all in the pandemic together may actually help her feel less alone. The silver lining to the pandemic, I think, is the heightened fellowship and camaraderie. Feeling that could be key during what is an especially sad season for many. Kristen Dahlgren, NBC News. All right, up next for us, the big news from Harry and Meghan.